0: Chapter eleven of Jerry Macaulay, his life and work by Jerry Macaulay and edited by Robert M. Offord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kristen Hand. Chapter eleven. Another chapter of testimonies. Saved by grace, O blessed tidings, wonderful His love to show, Jesus died to bring salvation to the perishing below. Saved by grace, through Jesus' blood, made an heir and child of God. Nothing to boast of. We, the converts especially, are responsible for this meeting. It depends on us whether it proves a success or failure. If we keep still, nothing can be done. But if we do our duty promptly and keep in the spirit, speaking and singing as God wants us to, this meeting will be a success. Most certainly is this true of those of us whom God has taken out of the lowest depths. Some seem to think if a man gets up and tells how low he was, a poor, forsaken drunkard, a miserable thief, etc., that he is boasting of his shame. I tell it here often, and yet it hurts me every time. Hurts me right here, he continued, pointing to his heart, and I can't get rid of it. It may be pride, but whatever you may call it, it's there. For Jesus' sake and for His glory, I'll endure the shame and tell plainly what He has done for my soul. Now I want you all to testify and tell what God has done for you and be as short as you can. You have probably all heard about the three men with the pot of stirabout, haven't you? Three hungry men had a pot of stirabout set before them, but had only one spoon, and the stirabout being too hot to use their hands, one was to use the spoon, then pass it to the second, and so on. Now, what would you think if one fellow took the spoon and kept it all the time and let the others starve? We'll pass around the spoon. The meeting is open now for testimony. Don't you see it? The Prodigal Son. I read that scripture about the Prodigal Son a long time ago, and I thought I was like one of the characters, and I thought the other didn't have much religion either. Why, he got mad when the poor wanderer came home and then went off growling and grumbling. He was one of those nice, goodish boys who brag about always staying at home and taking care of everything. Very nice, precise folks. Kid-glove sinners. But they are usually like this fellow, not half as good as they think themselves to be. For here is your never-did-wrong chap, growling and getting mad at his poor old father, and I don't say the prodigal ever did that. What did he growl about? Why, because the father loved his own child and was glad to see him coming home after staying away so long. Was glad to see him, even though he was in rags, barefooted, and heartsick. There are some of those steady brothers around yet. While well, I praise the dear Lord, I am his child tonight. Not all froth. I am saved from being a drunkard of the worst kind. I was a gambler and led a crooked life for years. I was brought back to Christ in what was called the John Allen Excitement. There may have been an excitement, but it was not all froth after all, for I was saved there, and I know of others in Water Street who were saved, and lived saved afterwards. I love God tonight, and I love precious souls. I saw a poor man here today with the shakes, fighting against rum, and I pitied the poor fellow with all my heart. I know if he holds on to God in prayer, he will come out all right. I've seen it done often before this. Now let anyone testify to what they know to be true in this Christian life. No Reproaches for Sinners Jesus saw Zacchaeus up in the tree and he knew him, knew all about him. But I notice he didn't call him an extortionist or a robber or any hard name, but merely said, Come down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to take dinner at your house today. Didn't accuse him of anything. He never does. Never calls those who come to him hard names. He never called one of those poor, unfortunate women a Magdalene, once, not once in his whole history. No, sir, the bigger the sinner, the more tender Jesus was. He never was harsh, only with one class of people, those hypocritical Pharisees, those dead church members who professed religion but hated Christ and were only hypocrites. He went for them, and so he ought, and so do I go for them, and I intend to keep it hot for them. I praise Jesus for the wonderful change he has made in my life in the last few years. It would make a wonderful picture to paint me as I was when I first came to God and as I am here tonight. He cleansed me inside and out. Two Years of Prayer A friend who came to the mission a skeptic, but was at length converted, had given his testimony when Mr. Macaulay rose and said, That testimony did my heart good not simply because the speaker referred to me or my prayers, for I don't know as they had anything to do with his conversion. It might have been in answer to the prayers of some of the godly men and women who come here, or it may have been my wife's prayers. I cannot tell. We did pray for him, it is true, and, to be honest with you, I got discouraged over him. I thought him one of the hardest cases that ever came into those doors. Think of it, two years praying steadily for one man before he yielded. I could say tonight I am saved by the tender mercy of God. I owe all I have today to him, home, friends, and everything. I love the Lord tonight for all he has done for me. The meeting is now open. Let the time be improved. About confessing. I don't see, said he, how anyone can get over, under, or around that verse about confessing. Some people say it in our style to stand up and speak. We don't do that sort of thing in our church. But there stands the word of God, and I tell you the testimony of Orville Gardner in States Prison was the means of bringing me to Christ. I had heard preaching there for seven or eight years without its having any effect upon me at all, because I had no confidence in the minister. We must be honest with God. My prayer to him is that he will keep me honest. It's not the way I talk before you, but the way I live, that must tell. Fell down, but did not stay down. In the early part of my experience, I stumbled a great deal, but God saw I was honest, and he helped me over the rough places. I will have to acknowledge, for I hate hypocrisy, and I can't help hating it, and won't be a hypocrite myself, that I became discouraged once or twice in the beginning, and let go of God and went back into sin. Yes, I went back to the rum and all, but I didn't stay there. I came back to the Lord again, and he forgave me and seeing i was determined to be honest and true he blessed me again and has kept me ever since the trouble with some men is they have no backbone and if everything don't go to suit them they let go fall and stay there if a man knocked one of you down would you stay there and let him kick the life out of you no of course you wouldn't you'd get up and try and save yourself wouldn't you well that's the way to do with satan if he gets you down by some foul blow don't you lie there and let him kick you to death but jump up and strike out for yourself. Not Imagination We used to have our trials, too. The devil would torment us, and men and women, too, would revile us and call us turncoats, etc. One fellow said to me, Oh, Jerry, you only imagine yourself into it. The whole affair is just the work of your imagination. Well, I replied, good for imagination. Well, that's all it is. All right, I said, I used to be just like you are now. Wretched, ragged, friendless, homeless, and unhappy. Now see me. I am contented. Have a good conscience and everything I need. Say, why don't you imagine yourself into it then, too? It's so E-A-S-Y, and it's certainly better. Just imagine it, why don't you? No, my friends, it is not all imagination. But you can all prove it for yourself, if you will, tonight. No one too bad the Lord is good to me if I had my just deserts I would not be in here i tell you i believe that if ever God left anybody outside the gate it would be me since I found mercy I know that none can be too bad for the Son of God to lift up to cleanse and save do you ever know Jesus to speak a harsh word to a sinner the worse the sinner the kinder the Lord Jesus was the soul beneath I suppose I was the first one to open a place for tramps, and we would have as many as fifty or sixty at once to provide lodgings for. They would be stretched out on the benches and then on the floors until there was not room to put your foot down without stepping on them. They were a terribly degraded set, hungry, ragged, and alive with vermin, but we looked beyond all that and saw only souls for whom Christ died and whom he desired to save, and every now and then God found a real jewel among them. When I first started out, I had a pretty hard time, and I expected I would. Some people seem to think the Lord is going to send a convoy of angels and float them off to heaven as soon as they are converted. But that's a mistake. It wouldn't be good for us if it was so, for we'd never grow in grace one particle. Sights near the seashore I'm saved tonight from everything that's wicked and bad. I was down to the seashore today to attend a Sunday school gathering. On our way home, the train stopped at a station, and a crowd rushed in until every inch of room was taken up. And such a crowd. Men and women, old and young, and the fumes of their breath were sickening. Regular bucket shop rum. Just think of it. Men and women, too, with flushed faces, reeling brains, with their breath so offensive with poison that it would knock a decent man down. They had not been crowded in but a few moments before the atmosphere of the car was unfit for a hog to breathe. Yet these were men and women made in God's own image. I am glad I am safe from being a drunkard and a public nuisance. God will save everyone if we will only get honest and come to him for help on our knees. Let all do their duty tonight and remember the one-minute rule. Someone said a few nights ago, in speaking of this one-minute rule, that there was no liberty here. Such fellows want to get up and take up the whole time themselves, spinning it off by the yard, and then they'll go off and say, oh, we had such liberty down at Macaulay's. Yes, but they had it all to themselves. No one else had a bit. Now, let all speak short and to the point. Getting Rid of the Blues The meeting is open for testimony. We will never see this night again. May the Lord help us to testify for him, for we may never have another opportunity. Some come here night after night and always keep still, never speak at all. I often think if God's cause here depended on you, it would be a poor affair. Some folks come here with the blues, they say, and can't talk. Why don't you get rid of them before you come here, or else get up and confess and get blessed? I often come when I feel like lying down in the aisle I feel so bad, but I see the needs of putting forth an effort to rescue poor perishing souls, and so I ask God to help me and do the best I can. Don't you know the Lord takes a worm sometimes to thrash a mountain? I am saved tonight from everything wicked and bad, I was once without a friend, without a home, without God, and without a hope for either world. Now I have all of these and have had for fourteen years. Some good people think that God can't save a blackguard, but if you will come here often, you will be wonderfully disappointed when you see some that God saves here. I was once one of the dirtiest, drunken, fighting old tramps you ever saw. God converted me in an instant. I never swore an oath since that day, nor knocked a man down. That is, in anger. I used to have to carry them out on my shoulder down at Water Street Mission, but what I claim is that God takes the ugly fight all out of a man when he converts him. Don't make him a coward, but takes away all desire to harm anyone else. God always makes a way of escape for us. I've had men draw back to strike me, but they didn't do it, and if they had, I don't know what I should have done, but God made a way of escape, somehow or other, so they didn't strike me. Now I want you all to take hold here tonight and make this an interesting meeting. You can't find any better place than this to go. Just hear this singing. Talk about your paid choirs. Why, this beats them all. Some of them get their $10,000 a year, but they can't compare with this. I have a great many gentlemen and ladies uptown and down speak to me about this wonderful singing, and they all say they never heard the like. Do you know why? Because we're singing for Jesus here. That's what makes the melody, making melody in your hearts. Now let all speak and tell what God has done for your souls. I am a monument to God's grace and God's mercy and God's forbearance. The longer I live, the more I see it and feel it. May the Lord keep me humble. May the Lord keep me grateful. I don't care much about the world. It looks small to me. Perhaps it would look bigger if I had better health. I have cause to love God. He picked me up from a terrible hole and washed me from my sins. Now you have heard the biggest debtor to grace that is in the room, but the next heaviest debtor follow me humble and happy the lord has been at work and the more the lord works the more humble i feel i pray to god to keep me so for i know that without him i could do nothing i have nothing to be proud of i am proud of my savior and not of myself i was a notorious drunkard and gambler even my wife does not know some of the sins i committed and she never will till the day of judgment i don't know what to say to express my feelings of thankfulness I know I have been converted, that is, if conversion is ceasing to love that which is evil and loving that which is good. I know that divine grace saved me from a drunkard's grave. Now there are many here who can thank God with me for saving them and whom he has cleaned inside and out. They ought to tell others the story. Don't let us be like the nine lepers who were healed by the Lord Jesus and never came back to thank him. He had got religion. I don't encourage anyone to be careless or to run any risk of falling from God, but when they do fall, I shall take them back again and help them to God. It is a dangerous thing to give way to sin and fall from our love to God. We might fall once too often and die ere we could recover. Yes, it's dangerous to fall even once, for God might cut us off. Oh, how terrible that would be. Why, it's like stepping right out of heaven into hell, isn't it often? I fell three times when I first started. I was ignorant. I knew nothing of the Christian life or its peculiar duties or perils, so I had to learn by bitter experience. Some persons have asked me, do you really believe you were converted before your fall? Yes, I was. I know I was converted while in a prison cell. Why, I was so happy, I fell like a dead man on my cell floor and didn't know anything for a long while. When I got up, I couldn't contain myself. I knocked things around and shouted, and I suppose made a terrible to-do. The keeper heard it, a tall old Jew we called Shadpole, because he was so long and slim, and slipping along with his slippered feet to my door, he peeked in between the bars and hollered half-scared like, What's the matter in here? I didn't answer him, but kept right on, I couldn't help it, and he yelled again, Say, what's the matter? Oh, I cried, I've got religion. What? I've got R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N, I answered. I'll give you, R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N, he growled, and proceeded to take down my number for a cold shower bath for next morning. I suppose he thought I needed cooling off, but I never got it. The Lord made that man lose his book or get confused about the number or something, for I was not punished at all. I went to work after that conversion like any other converted man, and if I do say it myself, others were led to God. I only had a half hour at a time, but I improved it among my fellow prisoners to say a word of kindness, and we would often shed tears together. Oh, yes, I believe I was converted even though I was so foolish as to fall away for a season afterwards. I believe you may possibly fall away, but I advise you to come back quickly, get forgiven, and never run any risk of falling again by your own carelessness or failure to watch and pray, and trust Jesus. I never could see how any Christian could be idle. I can't keep still. I must be doing something for others, or die. Thought he would be a detective. Did you ever hear how near I came to being a regular paid detective? Well, I'll tell you. I thought I might as well do something for myself, and concluding I'd make a good detective, I went to A.T. Stewart's large place and applied for a position as a detective. The man looked at me a while and seemed dubious about it. Don't you know, he asked, that it requires a great deal of talent to be a detective. "'Yes, I know it, and I believe I have the necessary talent, sir, to make a success of it. "'Have you any previous experience in this work, and knowledge of the class of characters you will have to deal with?' "'Oh yes, quite an experience.' "'Where, and under what circumstances?' So I had to tell him who I was, what I'd been, and all about it. When I got through, he looked at me in astonishment for a moment, but finally said, "'You will undoubtedly hear from me in a few days in regard to this matter. I will send you our decision in that time.' I can encourage you with the assurance that it will be favorable to your wishes. I went home and was looking for the man to send me the answer, but before he had time to do so, the Lord sent me the pneumonia and laid me upon my back for six weeks, so my detective job was all lost and I've stuck to the mission work. God has given me a great many souls for which I am very grateful and am very much encouraged to hold on as long as I may live. Last Testimonies it was Jerry Macaulay's earnest desire to testify with his dying breath to the power of saving grace. This God permitted him to do publicly up to within a very few days of his departure. On the evening of Friday, February 12th, less than a week before his death, he said in the mission meeting, I feel as if I want to testify always and even with my dying breath to the goodness of God in saving me. Sometimes I do not seem to have words to express my feelings of thankfulness to him for his great mercy or words to praise him for his goodness in saving me from going down to perdition. On the night of Sunday, September 14th, his last Sunday on earth, after listening to the story of the woman of Samaria, Jerry said, She was a hard case. Respectable women would not have associated with her, but the Son of God condescended to talk with her. Our brother spoke of the woman's selfishness. She wanted Christ's gift so that she might not any longer have the trouble of coming to the well to draw water. He then spoke of himself as he once was, in no mild or measured terms. I was a brute. I was one of the worst devils ever let loose in society, but the glorious gospel contained in that blessed Bible civilized me. It is the greatest civilizer in the world. There is no power like it. It made a man and a Christian and a good citizen of me. End of chapter 11